again, Aditi Anirudh, thank you so much for joining The Road Less Traveled. This episode is special for me because I've never actually had three guests at one time. So I'm expecting it to be triple the fun. I always have fun in these conversations. And The Road Less Traveled is a series we started between Game, Your Story and Network Capital to really talk to people in India about alternative paths, not just, hey, the only thing I can do is go out there and get a job. But entrepreneurship is an option. And here are people who've tread that path. It doesn't mean it's a bed of roses, but it's exciting. So thank you so much for joining this and uh, being a part of this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to having a good road trip together. Uh, and on that note, uh, how did the, the, the road trip between the three A's begin? Uh, I, have a, I have some brief that the two of you are married. I heard it was Ashwin and Aditi and Anirudh is the other partner. But then Ashwin tells me that some people think it's Ashwin and uh, Anirudh are married. And, uh, and the third wheel is <laughs> But uh, on a serious note, I'd like you to take, go back, travel back in time a little before Pocket Aces was started. Uh, any one of you can start with that. With that. Um, sure, I'll, I'll take this. Uh... So it's complicated. So I'm going to try to do this uh, in, a, in a simple, simple manner. Each of the three of us has a relationship with each of the three of us or the other two um, independently. And each of these relationships are quite long. So I think the, the longest relationship goes back between Aditi and Anirudh. They grew up in Kuwait at the same time and went to the same high school. And I think they know each other from either seventh grade or ninth grade. So sometime, well, I, maybe I shouldn't date you guys. So sometime in some decade uh, that's yes. definitely by same class sitting right behind each other <laughs> right so that's relationship one uh, relationship two happened when Anirudh and I met at university uh, I was a second year student I was a sophomore at the University of Illinois and Ani had just joined as a freshman and I'd heard this rumor of this new guy who was coming in from Kuwait who was very good at cricket and I was trying to put together my cricket team so I, I had an, uh, an avid interest in, in meeting him and we became uh, best of buddies, we actually started a cricket team, uh, which ended up doing quite well. Um, and we were, we became roommates uh, at college. And then um, Aditi and I met uh, when we had all graduated college and were working in New York. Uh, and we met partly because there was a social circle overlap, thanks to Aditi and Anirudh's common friends, uh, because, you know, that was the same gang that would hang out together in New York. And through my connection with Anirudh, I ended up hanging out with them and vice versa. And so that's how we met. Uh, and Aditi and I have been married now nearly 10 years, 10 years next month. So basically, so this was meant to be. How did Pocket Aces come about? It's one thing, hey, you meet someone who you think, uh, who you know plays good cricket, you want him on your cricket team, you meet Aditi somewhere else, you'll click. How do Anirudh, Ashwin and Aditi Say, hey, we want to start a business together. And, and how did that idea for that business come about? So I'm usually the one answering this question. So this time I'm going to lob it to either Aditi or Anirudh um, and then have them Go answer. Go for it, Ani. Yeah, I think the you know idea, the, the stereotype of an idea is that we sit in a cafe or in a garage and the idea appears. Mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, I think that that it's time that that stereotype is broken so that more people can actually feel it's normal that it doesn't come to them while they're sitting at their desks or lounging on their sofa. Um, we started, you know, Ashwin had been um, uh, actively working in the Indian media industry for about two years, uh, you know, when I came back to India and he had been uh, really trying to uh, entice me with various nice pieces of content that he was sending my way to read because I had a lot of time in the US to read because um, I had no friends. So he was like, here are your friends, script A and B. And uh, I started reading them and I thought this is exciting. And when I came to, uh, you know, then he said, well, look, there's, there's a media revolution that may happen here. So I came down to Bombay to uh, check it out. Um, and that's how we really got started. We just felt India's cultural context and relevance um, was not being reflected in the size of our entertainment industry. And customers were not being thought of in the same way as we would like uh, to think of them. And we started with, uh, you know, with an idea of serving better content to India, but very quickly we realized uh, that the need of the hour was to serve content to India and the way India was consuming content, which was through the phone. Um, and we asked the question of what does mobile entertainment look like? And just around that time, when we actually started thinking of relevant questions, Aditi joined us as well. Um, and we kind of tricked her into joining us because we told her, <laughs> yeah. give us, you know, she was looking uh, to take a little bit of a break from her previous uh, stints where she was also uh, helping a lot of entrepreneurs make real impact in the world. And, uh, you know, initially we told her come for two hours, then, then it was four hours. And one day she looked at us and said, well, I've been here almost 15, 16 hours. This was supposed to be a vacation. And I think at that point, you know, we all realized that we should work together. <laughs> I think it was like one day a week, then it somehow became four days a week. And then eventually <laughs> we're like, yeah, just let's make this work. Right. Before so, so I... that's, yeah, that's how we got started. And, and the ideas evolved over time. Right. Um, and, and today we always, you know, we say that, you know, what's driving us today is how do we help people uh, solve boredom and like, how, we, how do we help them entertain themselves throughout the day? Um, and that's something that we think about quite actively. Uh, before I move on that thread, um, Anirudh, uh, Ashwin, and uh, Aditi, uh, I want to still stay at that point, right? When you when you find there's an opportunity, there's a problem you want, which is typically what you want entrepreneurs to do. But there is also typically the the safety net of a job, right? You have X amount coming in. Uh, it, it's cushy. Did all of you, one of you, did any of you have that apprehension of jumping into this? Or, or you said, no, you know what? This is what I want to do. I so, guess all of us need to answer that. So maybe I'll yeah. yeah. you. First. I'd like to hear from <laughs> each of you that experience of becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, so Sandhya, that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, when Ashwin and I were in New York and we decided to come to India to pursue our passions, um, for me, for Ashwin, that was media right from the beginning. He knew that he wanted to do that. And for me, it was uh, development. So I worked in the social development space uh, for about five years after coming to India. And I think for us, that was that scary point. 
um you know because we were working on wall street we all come from very middle class uh, families service oriented families i think all three of us are the first entrepreneurs in our extended families so it was a big deal for us because our parents you know believed that they have gone to the middle east to work and for them sending us to the to top universities in the us and the fact that we are earning wall street salaries was a big deal so uh, convincing them that you know we would leave this cushy world like you said um and you know living in manhattan you feel like you're in the center of the universe yeah. um and you know coming to india to kind of live in our adult lives for the first time uh that was actually where the uh, where the jitters were at least for me and i remember asking ashwin that you know we've only been to india on holidays and it's great fun but living there is a completely different ball game Mm. and uh, you know the small things you know about like how long it takes to open a bank account and those kind of things absolutely that bother you when you come here so i think what kind of helped us keep a fun attitude was the fact that ashwin and i at least looked at it as like a two year adventure mm. we were like hum india aake dekhenge kya hota hai we are just going to have fun for two years and we are going to see what happens and the plan b was that okay you know uh worst case it'll make a great story for a business school application okay. so that was kind of you know the the plan b for us and um, but luckily you know i you know it's worked out and now it's been what uh, nine and a half years that we've been here uh when i actually came to the social development space right and i was kind of what you may call it an intrapreneur i was starting like a new business within uh intelicap which is the company i joined and social space pays nothing mm. right and so it was kind of like whatever a 99% pay cut and right away you know that you know okay you are definitely following your passions we had some good savings so i think that kept us in good stead so i think we told each other that as long as we are not really dipping into our savings uh you know we will try to to make the most out of this so uh parents were very jittery uh, i think they became a little bit more relaxed once they started seeing that we are actually doing well in what we are doing um but for the longest time definitely they were like pack your bags and go back <laughs> so i mean they they try to do that at every step right we were, i remember we were flying from uh, new york to mumbai via turkey we, we had a turkish airways ticket and they allowed you at the time i don't know if it's still there to stop in turkey for a few days so we actually stopped for a week uh, to check out turkey and we when we were speaking to aditi's parents a uh, few days a <laughs> couple of days before we left uh, for india from turkey they said look it's not too late you can still catch catch the return flight and go back in new york your visas are still valid no one's going to stop you your employers have told you they'll take you back if you ever wanted um so that i think that you know fear obviously existed and and i don't blame them right in that generation moving westward was a sign of progress and yeah. uh, for for a, a young couple in you know early in their career to quit those jobs cold turkey and move eastward um just didn't seem intuitive uh, I, i think the you know because it was like that two year adventure that i've described it wasn't really like terrifying because we knew there was a plan b mm-hmm. um you know luckily we not needed to use the plan b because my you know god knows my gmat scores have expired like five years <laughs> ago and i'm probably too old to be in business school now but um yeah thank god for that and anirudh your perspective what was it like before you took the jump yeah i think uh, like ashwin and aditi mentioned you have to fool yourself a little bit into doing this because if you think only logically you can never take the step it just makes no sense ever uh, 
Um, so anyone who's grappling with this decision, you know, for all of them, they should just know that it never makes sense, right? If you do the uh, SWOT analysis or any other analysis that someone's taught you, whether you do decision trees or whatever you do, that outcome never ever feels comfortable. Um, I think for me, the uh, it really came down to a simple thing, which is that if I'm 50, am I going to regret, you know, not making managing director or some, uh, you know, GM, CEO type position instead of 50 making it at 48? Is that is that going to be a regret that I wasted two years doing something else? And I felt that would that be a bigger regret or would it be that, um, you know, India had a revolution and, and while I was growing up, all I could think about is, you know, we build everything around the world, but how come we don't build it in India? Mm-hmm. And if it's happening in India, then, you know, and I don't participate, what's going to be uh, a bigger regret? So it's, it's part of a framework I always call like a regret minimization framework, which is like, put yourself 20 years in the future and see which will give you less uh, regret. So that's kind of how I got over the initial, you know, jitters. But you have to fool yourself plenty of times along the way because, I mean, it's great. I, so I had no savings because I spent it all on an expensive joint called business school. So, um, <laughs> and uh, taking a loan is not considered good in any of our families, I think, uh, like okay. a lot of India as well. So um, I think at every point, then then it's just the mission and the people you work with that keep you together, you know, keep you going. Otherwise, it, it can get challenging and you could have raised $150 million, but if you don't like working with the people you're working with or it's boring, you will find a way to leave. You will leave an hour early, you know, in the first day and then soon you'll fall out of love with that place. So I think, um, uh, you know, uh, having that is really important and that helped me through the whole journey so far. Uh, you hit on a very important point. Nearly, I, I, in fact, I think every single person I've spoken to in this series, whether it's Kiran Majumdar Shaw, or Shraddha Sharma, or a new entrepreneur, or someone like Vidit Atre, the one thing they've consistently said, Anirudh, is purpose and mission. They said, uh, nothing can be second to that uh, if you really want to build a successful business. Because otherwise, there are so many things that can make you exit. But if you're focused on that purpose and that mission, it really helps you stay the path. but I still want to stay in the first 100 days. I do this specifically because I think sometimes it's easy when you've been successful to romanticize entrepreneurship, right? Yes. And, and, and uh, you forget, and, and, and uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. But the first 100 days, and it could be longer, but I'd like each of you from your different perspectives, because I really think you will bring something different to talk about what those first 100 days, the challenges of those first 100 days of setting. It could have been longer, but just to give a timeline, I'm I'm saying 100 days. Aditi, do you want to go first about the challenges of those first 100 days once you'd set up a business? Yeah, sure. So Sandhya, I will talk about two kinds of first 100 days. Yes. So the first kind was when we had just incorporated. And in fact, in the initial days, we were like a film production company. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second part is when we knew we pivoted, we are going to pivot to digital. Um, right. So in the first 100 days, I was more of a 
unsolicited bystander advisor whatever you might want to call it since these guys used to often work out of our living room yeah. um and at that time they were working on it full time and uh, you know the first 100 days i would say of that model were frustrating they were exciting because there was clearly an opportunity gap but uh, the film business uh, is a slow and a binary business mm. so for example um, you know even if you have a project that you're putting together uh, say you have a great script that you're putting together and you have a director on board but getting say you know popular actors on board or um, a producer on board uh, you know somebody a studio on board takes a lot of time and it was a lot of from what i remember great planning and then running around between different people who wouldn't say no but they also wouldn't say yes mm-hmm. uh, now this is my perspective may I, i think ashwin and anirudh might might remember it slightly differently and uh, i remember you know always discussing and thinking that in the film business it always takes long and you know we used to hang out with people who have been waiting for 8 years 10 years for their first film to release and i remember always talking about the fact that we don't have that long we don't mm. want to spend that long because the opportunity cost of our time is high according to us right everybody decides their own opportunity cost sure. but uh, uh, you know that opportunity cost for us is high and then i think that pushing us to explore what better can we do where the process is more in our control right and uh, you know then sort of pushing ourselves to think much more about digital um these guys went to kan for the mip tv conference i think that was also an aha moment i think it was a clear aha moment uh, after which we kind of switched to digital and then the first 100 days of digital were very different so that was a lot of research going into at that time we were very inspired by buzzfeed uh, in the us and their model and their uh, sort of data driven consistent you know multiple times a week output to success creating relatable content which people distributed themselves so the audience is only distributing your content so it was we researched a lot about um, you know why people share why content goes viral and what can what's been done in india and how can we you know bring that model here and i think that was a lot of fun and a lot of hope we spent time finding what our strategy was going to be finding the right people recruiting some very young people straight out of college a lot of sindhi folks at that time and then literally building the rules and of the content grammar together with them mm-hmm. so all of us learning together putting out content i remember 9 september 2015 when our first video went out ban ban on dice media I don't think any of us will ever forget that feeling. Um and the fact that that video went viral um you know was we we like spent a lot of time after that understanding what had actually happened. Um and then building our content thesis further after that. So this is how I remember our first two sets of 100 days. I, I I will come back to that video going viral but before that I want to hear Anirudh and Ashwin's version of the first Hundred days, the challenges, the highs, the lows. Yeah, I think I think uh, for me there are some clear moments which were which stand out. Right, uh, one is that Ashwin had left what was a very interesting uh, position at a film studio, which was going to make and end up make, making ended up making uh, excellent movies. Right, especially during the time he was there. 
um, but people wouldn't pick up his call often after that because that chair was not there, right? So we learned who our friends were, people who believed in uh, you know his creative vision or uh, our execution capability versus just a relationship because he had a certain office. I think that for me was very interesting. Second was uh, when we raised money, people always think of raising money as a plaudit, like you did something good. But I think for us, almost it helped us become more disciplined because now we were accountable to someone. And I think this is something for, you know, for com- people who are starting new companies, you end up taking far too long to get to market. Mm. Right? Far too long learning about what uh, the real market is like because it's comfortable to stay in your shell and, you know, whether you're building a product which is uh, tech-driven or not, to just keep it to yourself. I think going out there exposes you to high, harsh reality and having that pressure of having to deliver to a partner really gives you uh, something to think about and makes you accountable. But it also gives you a resource because you have something that a lot of other people starting off don't. So capital that I remember that having that, as soon as that capital first hit, um, I felt right away that, uh, you know, something good was going to come out of this. Um, and then I think we made some impossible things happen. So whether it's pitching an actor at a gym, which I did, or, you know, Ashwin uh, utilizing his relationships to bring some projects together, which would, like, to be honest, a year before that would seem impossible to me. Um, so I think, you know, having those kind of impossibilities happen where we were buying rights to movies or material that we should have no right to do, actually, because we were nobody. And so I think those in the first hundred days that really, um, help, you know, really excited me and you know stuck with me. And then of course the stuff that Aditi said. Once we shifted, uh, the energy of working in something new, and really having that purpose of yes, we are finally improving things. Mm-hmm. Um, that sense of uh, you know the missionary zeal was was something that helped you come to work every day because you realize that you are not just another. XYZ, you are trying to actually change the world. You're giving new opportunity. We used to always call it, uh, in some ways, like how television with, with ZTV and Star, when they started, it changed television in India. It changed artistic ambition. It changed career paths. I felt uh, the same way uh, with, with digital. And luckily, we've been proven right on that. Yeah, I, I, I you Ashwin, know. You- you know, I'll talk about two different phases, right? And and uh, I'll take the liberty of stretching the 100 days to maybe 300 days uh, each time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first was 2015. It was kind of Jan to, you know, maybe November 2015, those 300 days, right? Um, that's when we were first putting to test, as Anirudh said, uh, the strength of the relationships I'd built over the last two years, right? And, and we saw some of those, um, you know, hold and we saw some of them, you know, fall through quite quite easily. Uh, and so that, you know, there was a sense, I think, early of hopelessness, because, you know, what it felt like was that you were trying to, you know, when you try to pick up a lot of boxes or something, you pick up a lot of many things from the ground, but then something falls and you go back down to pick that up, but something else falls, you go back down to pick that up, something else falls. And it's like the yeah. never ending cycle. And so we would, you know, we would do whatever we could in our hustle. I mean, these are two, you know, reasonably well-educated, very hardworking, uh, reasonably uh, smart guys spending, you know, 48, you know, uh, people hours a day um, working towards one goal, right? So we were making progress, but then every time you got, like Aditi said, you got a director on board, then the studio backed out, or you got the studio on board, um, you know, the actor backed out, something, some piece or the other would just keep falling. 
Um, and then the most important thing, so there, there was that sense of dread, that sense of like, how are we ever going to move at the pace we want to move uh, if things, if we don't have anything in our control. Um, but then the one thing that, that those 300 days also taught us was it became very clear to us what we did not want to become because we saw this play out time and again. And, and honestly, it's, we've been proved right five years in a row now, six years in a row now, um, should seven years actually. Um, that these at these studios, the decision making always, you know, we, we something that we call the hippo effect, right? The highest paid person's opinion. Uh, it was always an opinion driven decision. It was always somebody's touch and feel, somebody's gut, somebody's kind of point of view. Uh, there was never any data backing it. There was never any real insight or never any real analysis about consumer and consumer trend and consumer behavior. Um, and I honestly think, you know, it's amazing that the industry ran on that charade for as long as it did. Uh, of course, the cracks are showing now when when there is a threat of digital distribution and, and disintermediation from uh, various global platforms. Uh, but we saw that then and we realized we didn't want to become that. We didn't want to become irrelevant and uh, completely tone deaf to what the consumers wanted. So there was a lot of learning there, but it was almost like the learning that accompanies, um, you know, I suppose that journey when you're not getting the outcome that you desire. What changed, as Ani and Aditi both pointed out, was the fact that we were able to then go back to our strengths uh, and raising, you know, some amount of money was, you know, along the lines of the skill sets we had. Um, and then I'm going to fast forward from there. So 2014, we spent, uh, sorry, this was, this is to all of 2014. I'm sorry, I mixed up the dates from Jan to November. 2015, we spent setting the bedrock and foundation for what is the business today, uh, and that was transformational, right? Because it was, you know, like Ani, uh, like Aditi said, we went to Khan. Uh, and our eyes open to the possibilities of digital businesses uh, in the content and, and video space specifically. Um, and then we came back and we tested a bunch of things, that video that went viral, which we can talk about. And then 2016, you know, the, the 300 days of 2016, you know, say Jan to the end of the year, that was a true, you know, true transformation moment for us as well, because in Jan is when we really found sustainable product market fit. Um, because throughout 2015, we had been experimenting and yes, we had the viral video and we had the one-off successes, but there was no pattern to them. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't been able to replicate that success. Mm -hmm. In 2016, Jan, something magical started to happen. We saw something go really, really viral. One of the pieces of content we had done on, on filter copy. And then we were able to extract from it some of the core characteristics that we thought made it viral and put it into another piece of content and then another piece of content, another piece of, so it, it started to get addictive like a drug, like every week, every Wednesday at noon, we just felt this like energy that this is going to happen. So you can, I, this is weird feeling. You know, when they say that when you know, you know, yeah. that's what is happening in, in, in yeah. you know, 2016. We would, we would be able to tell without fail every single time how something is going to perform, how it's going to do. And we just had that feeling of seeing something take shape. Um, you know, so all of 2016, I think that was just exhilarating. That whole, like I go back to that journey and the kind of audacious things we did, the kind of scale we reached. I mean, you know, don't forget we're coming into the market three years even after digital players have entered right Absolutely. the likes of a culture machine and a scoop Hoop and a tvf and all of these guys have been around we're coming in after all of that and by the end of 2016 we were bigger than almost all of them uh, on almost every metric that mattered whether it was viewership or our ability to monetize or you know at least the sound fundamentals of our business so that year was exhilarating and it was a huge contrast to you know 2014 which is the year where we were just struggling to find what to do so I, I think of those two years uh, often when I find ourselves in a difficult position because it's always a journey of how do I go from 2014 to 2016 
uh, and so every day for me is like 2015. It's I'm setting the stone for whatever has to happen, um, you know, next year. And you know, I, I loved listening to that. And the two things I take away from that, especially because even at game we think about that we have a hairy audacious goal. Yeah. And and key to making that goal successful is to figure a replicable model. You've got to be able to replicate it. It can't be one-off. So uh, I, I, com I completely um, uh, understand what you said. I'd like to talk about something you were so sure about. You said, hey, we figured it out. It's got all of the elements of success. This is really going to be a winner, but it failed. Is there some such thing that you have because I always like to touch on this, uh, the three A's, I'm going to call you the three A's, because I feel like it's important for people who are starting out on this to understand there are going to be times like that. Yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead. Actually, each of us might have different examples. Or each of you to give me a different example. I need, I need start, start. Yeah, I think for, for me, the, um, um, you know, our first show, um, uh, Not Fit, which is a mockumentary, um, really, really drove home a point to me that you may have a great product, but if you don't have the right distribution to the market, then you're kind of screwed. And um, I think that really, really shaped and continues to shape my thinking, which is that distribution is the most important thing that you can get as a business. Um, if you don't have distribution, nothing else will matter. So if you have something that people are coming back to you for, you can build a business around that later. And, you know, this is a, the business of it can always come later. So that finding that fit is really important. And that's why, you know, you often, you know, people refer to product market fit. It's almost sometimes I like to call it market product fit because your product is fitting into a market. Yeah. Right? So um, uh, putting the market first, uh, you know, is, is interesting and finding the right way to get to them is, is extremely important. And without that, uh, you know, we felt that we had made a great show and, you know, it is a great show. Watch it today. You'll still laugh. And, um, you know, some of our compatriots and peers in an industry where people are always very polite with each other and give each other mm -hmm. non-committal answers on how good creatively a show is. We were getting the biggest plaudits saying this is a bold, innovative thought. And it's unbelievable that at the kind of budgets that, something like this has been executed the um the acting is good the you know it's it's fresh yet the audience didn't see it that way and that's because we hadn't built a big enough audience and i think um that was a for me that was one of the key uh, key lessons where we thought yeah this is going to do extremely well but it took it took some time to get there from then yeah i think another thing that not fit taught us before i go into a second example is that um Earlier, our, you know, content sensibilities were very inward looking, you know, mm -hmm. what we believed uh, is high quality content, but the internet audience in India is so diverse that the 500 million people who are watching content on their smartphones are not like yourself. So it also actually shaped our mission to go from inward looking to outward looking. Mm -hmm. So rather than saying, hey, we're going to create good quality or content for people like us, we went to saying, hey, we're going to solve boredom. So we are nobody to decide what is good quality or bad quality. What, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, our core would be just to understand the audiences and what they want and provide that to them. 
right so i think that's also something that not fit taught us because even today uh, with the elite uh, crowd not fit works really really well but it just didn't work with a mass audience um i think another example uh, could be and it's not a i don't like this word failure that much because i think um um you know each thing uh, you know is really teaches you something yeah, exactly absolutely. so i would say you know us shutting down filter copy writing the written product which was mm-hmm. filter copy articles uh, uh you know could be you know uh, was was one of the things where we just it, it was not working you know so basically uh, when we launched filter copy there was a video product and and a written article product right and the written article product again was similar to those buzzfeedy kind of articles you know uh five things that will make you laugh today and like mm-hmm. 10 things that will you know like um uh, you know make you miss your sister and like that kind of stuff and across genres also we covered sports we covered movies we covered um you know books etc and at that time you know scoop poop was doing well in the business buzzfeed india was doing well in the business and filtercopy.com started doing very well in the business as well um uh, you know then the written content model evolved to like you know going to instant article on facebook etc etc and we did evolve with all of those models but at some point the writing was very very clear on the wall again uh with an audience focus anyone looking at audience preferences would realize very quickly that it's totally changing towards just watching and you know watching video content rather than the reading mm-hmm. and uh, keeping something alive for no reason where it's not growing so much uh, didn't make any sense so we had a very good team we you know nicely disbanded the team we offered them other opportunities within the company and uh, moved on from that product so i think that is also something very very important i think people hold on to legacy products or products that are you know have stopped working in the market too for too long and they put money into they keep pouring money into those products i think there is nothing wrong with saying hey this worked for 3 years it doesn't work anymore um you know let's uh, close it and let's iterate right and let's take that same money those same intelligent people and put their energies towards something forward looking so as a company we are always trying to look forward talk to the audiences and predict future behaviors rather than stick to legacy behaviors so that's another example i think there's a lot of wisdom in that uh, aditi because you will find so many seasoned seasoned uh, legendary entrepreneurs who've found it hard to cut their losses because they have something they they hold dear to them um and inevitably uh, leads to their downfall so i think what you said was just extremely wise uh ashwin do you have one more anecdote to share you know i was going to say the same thing that ani did but i think he said it uh, much better than i would have said it so uh, we can move on from here okay we we move on uh, i i when we talk about entrepreneurship we usually talk about traits and you know we do a lot of studies because we find that there are some people who are more inclined to being entrepreneurs than others it doesn't mean everybody cannot but there are some traits i'd like each of you to talk about the one trait you think the other has that's particularly entrepreneurial or has held them in good stead so uh Uh, Ashwin if you could talk about the one trait that you think uh, Anirudh has that holds him in good stead and then Anirudh maybe uh, you about Aditi 
And Aditi, I, I have to put you on the spot to talk about your <laughs> <No> husband. <way. laughs> um, a trait that more, you know, persistence or, or something that you think this person has and brings to the table. All right, I'm going to try to limit this to one trait because there's quite a few. A couple um, is also good, but the one you okay, think good. When, when you asked Ashwin to talk about 100 days, he technically talked about 900 days. So do be careful. 600, 600. I talked about 600. Days. 14, 15, and 16. I skipped through most of uh, 15. Um, no, so look, I, I think one of the things about um, Anirudh, and, and I didn't know this as, as well as I'd known him before uh, we started working in this capacity together. Um, one of the things about him which is most frustrating for me to watch because I know this is not a quality I will have at any point in my life but um, I benefit from uh, as his co-founder is uh, he can be incredibly calm and patient and polite in the face of frustration stupidity and um, an arrogance like he just I think there's always an eye on the bigger prize and so he will never let it get to him and never let it affect mm -hmm. how he reacts and uh, i'm not like that so uh, you know if someone's you know being frustrating i will you will see that frustration written on my face you will hear it in my voice uh, you will hear it in the words that i use um so there's sometimes when that happens and we're both there i will defer to him because i know that we will end up leaving in a better position um, <laughs> if he has the last word and not me um you know so that's something that and, and i've made my peace with that it's not not even like i'm trying to change it anymore um <laughs> And the other thing which I am trying to work on, which I think, uh, you know, I would argue that Anirudh has more than most entrepreneurs I've even met in this country, and I've met a lot, um, is the ability to, like, he has just this big picture thinking, this vision uh, that you won't find in too many entrepreneurs. Most people are able to see problems from anything from a one foot to a hundred foot distance. Mm -hmm. um, Anirudh can do that. But he can also go all the way to a 10,000 or 100,000 foot distance uh, and shed light on the same problem. And, and oftentimes, the perspective from all of these points are quite different. And some of them fundamentally will alter how you build your business, or how you think about your business. So I think there's a certain audaciousness in the vision um, you know, that, that he has brought right from when he started the business, which I don't know many entrepreneurs that could have brought that to the table. I think that's a very, very valuable quality. The big picture, I find, um, even in small teams, I find that we get so caught up in some of the micro stuff that we miss the big picture. Yeah. So great one there. I'll just add one more. to. Hey, 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 you can't do that. I was <laughs> going to say something about you, but then I realized <laughs> I would be out of line, so I didn't say it. No, you should go ahead, go ahead. I think we should say one, one thing about each other, I think. Go ahead. <laughs> Should I? Then let, then let me go yes, first. Yes, this is a conversation. No rules. There are no point, rules point, here. Point. Please go ahead. So, because then I have one point. I think the, you know, just like I told you what was frustrating, but also the, you know, most interesting thing about Anirudh, just like that with Aditi, what I find the most frustrating when I'm on the opposite side of the table, but the most useful when I'm on the same side of the table is that she has the most unusual thought process. I'm not going to use any other word to describe it, but it's just unusual. Um, it is at times linear, at times non-linear. It is often tangential, but she has the ability to like look at a problem from a view that nobody else is looking at it from. Uh, so, you know, most people will examine a situation in certain five, six, ten limited ways, but there's always an extra one. There's eleventh way, and that's the way Aditi will look at it. And so, we've been able to see sides of our business or the challenges we face on a day-to-day -day basis that honestly we would not have. Uh, been able to if Aditi was not there and 
I use that personally when I like when I'm not able to make a decision or I'm looking at say I'm interviewing somebody or I'm trying to solve a problem. I will always put myself in the shoes and be like, how would Aditi approach this? Or sometimes I just go up to her and say, please tell me how you would approach this. <laughs> um, and then I find that there's usually a unique perspective to which I wouldn't have been able to get myself. Lovely. Anirudh, what, what, yeah. uh, what do you have for, to say about Aditi? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing I really, you know, enjoy and benefit from, as Ashwin said also, is that she never gives up. So... Yeah. Um, and I'm more a lazy deal maker. So I like quickly making deals and moving forward. But she likes, she really pushes for, uh, things forward. And that gets us that additional percent that is required, you know, to be great, I think. So I think that's, that's really something that is uh, super, super valuable. And, um, you know, it, it always uh, keeps us in good stead. Um, and with Ashwin, I think, uh, you know, you said people get caught up in details, but I think the detail is so important that without that, you cannot churn out a good product. And I think he has the ability to find that attention to detail that is really required in execution, right? Uh, vision is in, uh, incomplete without execution. So that execution mindset and the ability to really, you know, break an operation down into making it a, a reality, I think that is, he has a great ability on that. And uh, you know, uh, I always, you know, when we work together, that's something that I always see that he'll, he'll bring out something like that. And when I work with both of them, like, I always know if I'm getting frustrated about something, uh, that's great because when I reflect on it half an hour, an hour later, that gives me a, you know, uh, the, that breakthrough thought, which is, okay, this is how we could actually do this. And, and that's something that, you know, all of us have a very open and transparent relationship. And that's something I value a lot. Right. Um, uh, you you were speaking to someone today and they, uh, you know they called us uh, warm shareholders or some, something of the sort and that's because um you know we we generally know each other for so long that um you know we are able to keep a bigger picture in mind as 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 we create value for everyone so that's something i think a lot of speed dating uh, entrepreneurs cannot have because they just don't have that level of trust or um, faith in each other to do the right thing Absolutely. I used to work with a fund, United Seed Fund. And one of the things that we looked for teams when we invested in was the marriage between uh, the founders, because you cannot undermine how important a role it is, because in the end, it is like a marriage. In this case, two people happen to be married. But even otherwise, um, you know, when you're, when you're in it for the long haul, that's so important. Aditi, I'm going to ask you to talk about the two gentlemen. So, yeah, sure. So about Anirudh, there are so many things uh, in addition to what Ashwin said. I think the one thing which I'm just always amazed by is just his ability to just read so much and like absorb so much information um, and then remember it all and then bring it up at the right points, quoting examples and names and figures. I just like somehow I'm never able to just cover all of the material, which is which I want to right to read or watch or whatever so I think that I really I, it's just a he, he also doesn't need to sleep so I think he's superhuman in some way because he has more waking hours than most of us um, you know to do all of this and I think he's really generous um, and uh, 
very calm in the just like uh, ashwin said i think uh, you know i couldn't stress it more he's while ashwin and i will be beating our heads in different ways i think i don't be like okay chill guys don't worry you know we can make this happen <laughs> blah blah so i think that is uh, it's pretty amazing and i think his dad is very much like that and you know probably that's where he gets it from um with ashwin um i think he has the ability to call it early Mm. right and that is valuable but also i sometimes feel and maybe i, I don't know maybe any you feel the same way that can we can we play it out a little longer uh but uh, he has that ability to kind of detach and call something early um and i think that's again that is also like some kind of vision um it's very valuable uh, i think the way ashwin looks at the world and his own life is that i have x number of days and i want to do the best thing possible with those days i want to have the most fun i want to create the most value so let me not waste any time uh and i think that's a very clear way to look at uh, yourself your own life and the the things you spend time on and i think that's pretty incredible like i don't know anyone else who's able to detach themselves the way he is is the yolo flag bearer of pocket aces <laughs> yeah, be, yeah from the sounds of it i should be investing in the stock market and i don't <laughs> you know i love this bull. conversation um I, i liked my introduction to the three of you and and one day if we're all in the same city i'd love to do sunday brunch over champagne because y'all sound like a lot of fun and have a lot of interesting perspectives i like to end with some lighthearted questions So I'm going to keep it short because it's the three of you. Each of you, your favorite, the favorite content you consume, Netflix. Ashwin, what do you? What's your favorite show on Netflix? I watch. So I'm. I parallelly watch five or six shows at the same time. So I can't have one. Okay, a couple. Um, so obviously, Succession is a recent favorite. Um, I, I I discovered Louis C.K. very late, so I'm playing catch up now. And so, uh, you know, Louis and and Lucky Louis, those shows I'm watching a lot right now. Aditi, what are you watching? All-time favorite show, like of life, is Friends. Uh, re- uh, favorite show I've watched recently, Queen's Gambit. I think a oh, lot of Gambit. people will have the same answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Anirudh. Um, I think on Netflix, uh, Stranger Things. Otherwise, uh, uh, Succession uh, has been uh, extremely good. And I, in amongst Indian shows, I really liked Delhi Crime a lot. Um, uh, That's a scam. Great show. I love scam. Yeah, I really enjoyed scam as well. And my last question, because this is about entrepreneurship, each of your entrepreneur icons. Oh, and if you feel like, hey, I don't have an entrepreneur icon, but I have someone who I really, really admire, that's fine too. But if it's an entrepreneur, that's better. Anirudh, who's your entrepreneur icon? Yeah, for me, it's Ray Dalio, the uh, founder of Bridgewater. I've always maintained that. he's provided a road map for how to live your life and that's helpful and then of course uh, uh you know person i re- like reading the most um is is ben horowitz for on entrepreneurship so both of them are interesting gurus i don't know if i can call them idols but i definitely call them gurus of what they've done um in their fields aditi you um you know sandhya since you you worked at unitas and you know you understand perhaps the impact sector as well um i have idols who i've never worked with but i think vineet rai will be like one mm-hmm. 
uh, entrepreneur who I've worked with extremely closely for five years and uh, really admire, you know, what he's built, raised money from some of the largest pension funds and, um, you know, uh, the DFIs of the world created an ecosystem where never, uh, you know, which never existed before in impact investing and, uh, you know, truly created and measured um, impact. So I really, really admire him. Otherwise, for me, Oprah Winfrey is the other entrepreneur that I really, really admire for several reasons. And Ashwin, your entrepreneur icon. You know, I don't have like an icon. I, I like to pick and choose traits from mm-hmm. different people that I admire. I, I think, you know, and some of these are going to be very cliched because because they are. Um, I, just for the sheer audacity of imagining what could be possible, I think like it's hard not to like look at Elon Musk uh, as a rarefied mm-hmm. uh, object on Earth. I mean, he's just just the the sheer audacity, and not just the audacity, but the the guts to follow through on that, right? Uh, so, you know, quote unquote, skin in the game, right? If you spend almost all the money you have, you know, betting on um, the vision that you have, that just takes a special kind of person. Um, but then there are several others, right? Like people like, you know, Bill Gates have been, have sustained their uh, abilities for so many years. Uh, Warren Buffett as well have sustained their ability for, you know, decades. Um, you know, I love like, um, you know, some of the stuff like, like Don Valentine, right? What he created with Sequoia and that culture, um, you know, it's just, so there's a lot of people and you can kind of attribute different things. Like, you know, I, I like also, for example, how, some of these entrepreneurs codify, right? I need to mention uh, Ray Dalio. I think one of the best things Ray Dalio did was to codify his thought process and his framework uh, so well. Uh, and Reed Hastings has done that so well as well. Uh, and, you know, I find that that's a huge gift to the sub- subsequent generation because it's not like, I feel like we tend to mystify these um, these entrepreneurs or anyone who excels in any field, we tend to mystify them, uh, but we never really understand how they do it. Uh, and when they go as far uh, as to try to document that, it's really, really beneficial for anyone that looks up to them. And and I think that, you know, um, Gates, I personally think is the most underrated, yeah. uh, under uh, kind of talked about uh, entrepreneur because what he's done with the Gates Foundation and just putting your, you know, there's one thing to be able to give money to something and there's another thing to be, give your intellect to that. I think he's done a tremendous job and it shows you that, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, you know, if you put your mind to something, you can make it happen. And it's unbelievable what he's done. And actually one of my favorite shows you were asking on Netflix was watching Inside the Bill's Bill's Mind. It was was phenomenal to watch it and very, very inspiring. Bill Gates is one of our funders, so I cannot agree more uh, with you. Maybe we already knew that. (laughs) Aditi... Ashwin, Anirudh, a real pleasure. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you, Sandhya, it was such Thank a you so much. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Take care. Take care.